Welcome into PFF's Daily Betting Podcast. I'm Austin Gale with my guy Ben Brown here. Ben, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire season, baby, coming off the first game of the 2020 NFL season. Kansas City Chiefs blowing out, really. I thought the game was going to be close in the early parts, but the Kansas City Chiefs far and away the better team on Thursday night. They end up winning this game pretty handedly. I think the biggest takeaway for me is this Kansas City Chiefs offense is really damn good and i don't know how many defenses there are in the nfl that are going to be able to stop these guys you just have to score with them you are not stopping the kansas city chiefs you need to score with them if you're going to beat this team yeah at this point i mean you know bill o'brien punting the field goal down what 17 there towards the middle of the field i mean that's just you just can't win games against the chiefs if you're going to end up playing like that so i don't know you need to be aggressive i thought chiefs went aggressive early they actually made that you know early fourth down call in their own area and i think that was kind of you know set the tone for them in this game you know they won by two touchdowns i don't even think the game was that close really at the end either so it was interesting clyde edwards lair like you said it's basically clyde edwards lair season 25 carries <laughs> fortunately he didn't really get involved in the uh passing game too much he didn't even have any targets which is a little bit surprising just you know with what people were saying how he was going to fit into this offense i thought so a lot of takeaways though it was, it was great to have nfl football back though in general so 100%. Kansas City Chiefs win this game 34-20. Deshaun Watson under duress this entire game. It felt like took four sacks, and this one was scrambling for his life for a bulk majority of this game. I, I have a take here. We'll talk about it later. But the Texans in the trenches do not look good offensively and defensively. Outside of J.J. Watt, I don't think there's a big man on this team that's really stepping up, really concerning there. But let's get back to Clyde Edwards-Solaire, C-E-H, or my new nickname, Christ Edwards-Solaire, because he <laughs> is risen, my friend. 25 carries, 130 yards and one touchdown but he had six goal line opportunities six rushes inside the five yard line three legit touchdown opportunities if you look at each trip to the red zone equally this guy's bound for positive regression because this offense is going to be playing inside the five all the time inside the 10 inside the red zone i am really excited that he's getting the volume 66 percent of the offensive snaps tonight far out playing what Darry williams did he didn't even get a target tonight and still put up good numbers i really do think like you should be pushing more chips in christ edwards hilarious you know category or, or side here because he's going to get the volume in a high octane offense and he's going to get the opportunities in the red zone as we saw tonight yeah, I mean, he's basically getting all the opportunities in the red zone, which is <laughs> key in this offense because, I mean, they're going to be in the red zone a number of times. So he's definitely a player that you have to be buying into after this performance. I do think that the passing game opportunity is going to come to him, you know, probably even next week. I do think there's probably some regression there. I don't think he's necessarily going to get 25 carries every single game, but I do think the usage uh, where he was utilized, maybe not necessarily the actual performance outcome, but I think all of that's going to be coming at this point. I don't think it was necessarily anything he did wrong in the red zone. A lot of those things were, you know, you know, defenders essentially JJ Watt just blowing it up. Honestly, I I thought JJ Watt played on the goal line really well. I think you could expect to see Clyde Edwards-Solaire though in this 60 to 80% snap share with Daryl Williams until he gets his feet wet through maybe the next four weeks of the season. But if he starts to tip in that 70 consistently, 70, 80% snap share, you're going to, this guy's going to cook, man. He's just going to cook in a really good offense. I mean, he's going to back territory at that point. I mean, over 70 to 80%, you know, 70 to 80% snap ratio 
and in probably the best offense in all of football. So there's not too many better situations that you can find yourselves in than what CEH is having with the Chiefs offense at this point. So next ne- next guy I got to bring up. Next guy I got to bring up is Sammy Watkins. Played 79% of the offensive snaps tonight, saw a ton of targets, finished this game. I thought the under three and a half receptions was a play here. Absolutely not. Seven receptions for 82 yards and a touchdown in this one. They fed it to him on that screen after he was called down at the one-inch line. I think Sammy Watkins over Miko Hardman, who had a ton of hype as that second-year receiver out of Georgia, is the obvious play here. He's playing you know, second behind Tyreek Hill in offensive snaps at the wide receiver position. They want to involve the Lizard King in this offense, I would start backing Sammy Watkins, not just as a week one wonder, but as a legitimate piece in this offense. Yeah, I mean, McCole Harmon essentially wasn't involved whatsoever. I think he actually caught his one reception on a jet sweep, turned that up for six yards, but essentially wasn't targeted the rest of the game. So Sammy Watkins is definitely looking good. It was surprising how much Demarcus Robinson I thought was actually involved. I think he had six targets along those lines. I think he had, you know, obviously the first touchdown called back so i don't know it's a lot of these uh second artillery pieces in this chief's offense that it's going to be tough to actually peg which one i think is going to blow up in a given week but like you said sammy Watkins, he's a week one player he had the performance go off in week one in 2019 kind of disappeared the rest of the season hopefully that does not happen again this year but i think he's kind of here to stay at this point so it's going to be good it was a very interesting game at least from a props perspective i don't know if anyone got a chance to check out our player props tool um we had a decent day i think all of our bets any one thing that had over one percent edge we went 10 and 10 on just in general there were 43 props posted um one was a push 28 under so we had 66.6 percent of props go under um in tonight's game but we still saw the overhead so there was a lot of offensive action i think it was just going to not necessarily the stars of the game i think tyreek hill was essentially under you know travis kelsey went under his yardage total as well i think he pushed his reception total so it was an interesting game from uh, that perspective i think for sure no, I agree with you 100%. And one more note on Sammy Watkins. Uh, my take is is you target guys that are getting the volume early from a targets perspective and an offensive snap share perspective. Sammy Watkins is obviously going to be a guy in this Kansas City Chiefs team for this Kansas City Chiefs team that is going to be involved. The other name I'm bringing up now on the Houston Texans side is Will Fuller. Started off the game a little rough with that drop. I thought it was going to be a long day for Will Fuller because even on his first reception, it was a bit of a bobbled grab there, but he finishes the game with eight receptions for 112 yards, no touchdowns in this one, 10 total targets. I think it's clear and obvious that with DeAndre Hopkins gone, this is Deshaun Watson's guy, not Randall Cobb, not Brandon Cooks, not those pair of tight ends. I think it's going to be Will Fuller. I think if he can stay healthy, even in games where the Kansas City Chiefs are dominating, he's going to get the volume to be to be this guy. He goes over, I think what his prop was, what, 64 and a half, somewhere in that range. He right. goes over pretty handedly. Yeah, he went over really handedly. Of course, some of it did come, I would say in garbage time time at this point a little bit but i mean i think the opportunity is going to be there for wolf fuller i know brandon cooks had five targets he turned that into you know two receptions for 20 yards which kind of feels like a brandon cooks type of game at this point he's either going to blow up for eight and 150 in the touchdown or two or he's going to go for two for 20 so i don't know i do think wolf fuller is definitely the key in this passing offense i do think that he is actually capable of being that number one target for sean watson we didn't necessarily see it tonight until that garbage time happened but um i do like you know what he's 
able to do. And I did actually, I was surprised with what Jordan Aikens was able to do tonight too. He had the one touchdown catch. You know, he only had two targets, but they were both deep downfield. So I do think he's another guy that uh, Watson's going to look to a little further downfield. So I don't know. They have a lot of deep receiving options, but they don't necessarily have, you know, Randall Cobb getting involved underneath which is, I think, kind of what they were missing at this point. So David Johnson did get a lot of the check down opportunities. I think he had four targets or something like that. But in general, I don't really think this offense looked too great until they got the garbage time in the fourth quarter and put up the two touchdowns when the game was already well relatively out of reach. So, But I also think that you know you have to have the offensive line wasn't in a position to open right. up downfield. Like They were not allowing the receivers to get open downfield because Deshaun Watson was under, under duress so early in the play. I think they're going to need more time, more protection to open things up for these deep threats that they have. Brandon Cooks, Will Fuller, Kenny Stills, etc. Like You're going to have to rely on quick game and getting the ball out quickly if your offensive line can't hold up. Another name before we um, jump to college football. Got to preview a little college football now that we're on the Friday version of the P. PFF Daily Betting Podcast. George Chahuri and Eric Eager will be on soon to preview the NFL slate. But before we do that, David Johnson, is he legit? The jump cuts look pretty saucy. I want to get back on him being, you know, David Johnson's back. Turn the, mu- turn the music up, DJ. 11 carries, 77 yards, and a touchdown. He also had, like you said, four targets, three receptions, and 32 yards. I think, you know, Duke Johnson left this game early with an injury, but I still thought that David Johnson was obviously the lead back for this team. Seven yards of carry in this one. I think he looked a lot like vintage David Johnson. What was your opinion of him coming out of this game? Yeah, definitely circa 2016 David Johnson, I think we saw tonight. (laughs) Like you said, Duke Johnson leaving uh, early because of the injury. I would like to see what their actual snap count was if Duke Johnson would have stayed healthy throughout this whole game. Of course, you know, David Johnson was kind of game scripted out of this matchup by essentially midway through the third quarter so he didn't necessarily get a high carry count but he did hit you know that 15 touches threshold i think that is actually key for fantasy success so i do think that he's definitely um a decent bell cow not necessarily a bell cow option but he's somebody that's going to see more volume than what preseason a lot of people have projected him for where his current adp had gone before we started the season so i do think he's the type of player if you could go back he'd probably be drafted you know maybe even around higher than what he was just based on this performance because i do think he is going to be the main guy in Texas for the texans offense here at this point so yeah i think you can expect similar volume moving forward i think efficiency will regress a bit i don't expect him to average seven yards a carry this year also behind that offensive line i think he's gonna see some tough sledding but regardless getting that volume that 14 15 touch count is big for david Johnson. Let's make a pivot now, Ben. We've talked about the Kansas City Chiefs, who are looks like they're going to rip their way through the NFL onto way on their way to another Super Bowl. Let's talk about some NCAA. We had obviously the UAB Miami game tonight. I sweated some unders uh, in that one. I had um, De'Aaron King under 264.5 passing yards. That hit. I also had um, I think under on Brevin Jordan's receptions total. I think that hit. But either way, that game was kind of tough to watch. It was ugly to start, close for UAB, uh, and then Miami pulls that one out, 31-14. Looking ahead to games, other games that people will be watching on Saturday. What are some matchups or some bets that you're looking at that you're trying to put some money on? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it is kind of interesting. We finally have our first full slate of college football action. I'm excited to see some of these ACC teams out here. Um, One of my favorite bets at this point is uh, that Syracuse versus North Carolina. Both these defenses, um, you know, not necessarily great. I'm not a big fan of Tommy DeVito. This number 
total has been at 65 and a half. I do think that that is key. I do think that that actually offers a decent amount of value. I do see North Carolina potentially running away with this one. They are 22 and a half point favorites. But I also think that their defense is going to give um, Tommy DeVito and that Syracuse offense fits. So I expect the under to hit in that game. Um, another, you know, probably the marquee game on the slate is uh, Duke versus Notre Dame. We have both defenses in our top 25 for our opponent adjusted Massey grades. Um, the, the total has been kind of interesting. So it opened up... Um, could be found you know right around 54th and actually bounced up through 55 in onto 56 and 56.5 in a lot of books um that 55 is probably the most key number that you will find for a college football total i think we see games end at that number around 3.8 percent of occurrences so it is probably the most significant total number that you see um and we did see that the number actually moved back down to the opening number of 54 after sliding through that so it's been kind of a weird line movement unfortunately it was probably a buy for the under at 56 and 56 and a half now that it's moved back down to 54, there's not really uh, playable for the under. I don't really like it towards the over either. So that game's probably just going to be an avoidance at um, for green line at this point, which is kind of unfortunate because it is probably that marquee matchup that you're looking for. So um, other than that, you know, we saw South Alabama. They were one of the, you know, they pulled off the big week one upset against Southern Miss. It's two touchdown underdogs to Lane Green Wave. I think they opened up right around plus 11 as road favorites. Um, this number moved down again to plus nine all the way to plus seven and a half. And now it's kind of rebounded back to that key number plus 10. So um, this is another spot where I like South Alabama. I do think that they have a little bit of, uh, you know, know how i guess from already playing one week a game so we've seen some of that i think the betting market in general kind of enjoys the fact that they've actually have some history um within the 2020 season on south alabama so i think that was a little bit of why the line moved towards them initially but it's kind of pushed back up to that opening line which we do tend to see a lot there's kind of this interesting uh price discovery process that happens throughout the betting markets kind of like an auction market setting where you know there's a trying to find a price equilibrium between buyers and sellers and uh a lot of times that opening print line is actually what the market ends up settling with even though it kind of fluctuates back and forth based on when buyers or sellers or a majority of buyers are entering the market so um kind of understanding where that opening number lies and being able to utilize that based on line movement is kind of a key for sports betters to grasp here um and it's something that we'll probably be talking about a lot on the pff daily podcast so yeah absolutely i mean we're gonna have to rip it up here on the the pff daily betting podcast we're gonna close out here you're telling me i know you want to watch you know duke notre dame i think clemson wake forest will have some good you know good good matchups in that game i also think georgia tech versus florida state has a ton of draft prospects specifically on the seminole side i encourage you to listen to my other podcast with mike renner two for one drafts to hear us talk about rookies and draft prospects twice a week you're not watching Texas, UTEP, plus 43. You got the UTEP 43-point dogs. You're not going to tune into that one. Right now, Green Line, uh, according to PFF's NCAA Green Line, has a 3.4% edge on that 43 number. Are you getting anywhere near that, Ben? The miners, man. Got to back the miners. I mean, they're 127th in the nation, according to our ELO rankings. We have Texas at 16th overall. Um, I typically try to avoid... Monster so dogs. Certain, I mean, just monster dogs in general. It's really hard to model. Uh, well, it's not necessarily hard to model. It's re- most mo- betting models are essentially going to regress to that, you know, 
away from that huge line in the last situation. So a lot of these numbers, when you see them way out there, there's just betting models are essentially going to gravitate away from that. And it's something that could potentially be described as even maybe like a blind spot in certain betting models. But it's just something that if you have the understanding that if you always see a 43-point dog, your model's probably going to like it, but that doesn't necessarily mean <laughs> that you need to jump all over it every time or bet the house or something like that either. So, Well, that's know, unfortunate, Ben, because I just put uh, two you months put rent on my on. minors. So that's uh, that's going to be a tough one. I won't be watching that I mean, game, that, but we'll see how it ends I mean, up. Yeah. I mean, what, eight <laughs> touchdowns at that point? I mean, it is a pretty decent amount of uh, touchdowns that Texas is going to need. But I don't know. I'm a little scared off because I saw Seth – Galina tweeted out that he thought uh, Sam Ellinger was going to win the Heisman. So I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I mean, Sam's all in on Texas. Out. Yeah, might have a coming I think that actually tonight. moved the line to 43. It was originally somewhere else. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, ben, this has been great. Really appreciate you jumping on with us. I, I mean, getting on this podcast. We're going to be doing this, you and I, every Friday throughout the season, talking props, betting, NFL, NCAA. Really looking forward to this year. What a first game in the NFL. Kansas City Chiefs win handily against the Houston Texans at home. 34-20. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, no, Christ Edwards-Hilaire, ready to rip it up for the Kansas City Chiefs. A fun one to start in the NFL. Thanks again. Until next time, the PFF Daily Betting Podcast.